You're listening to the Writing Momentum Podcast with authors Christopher and Gina Mazzelli, where you'll discover more about writing, publishing, building your author brand, and selling your book. Now, here's your hosts, Chris and Gina. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Writing Momentum Podcast. I'm here with Chris and Renee. We're so glad you're joining us. And we are going to be taking... Uh, questions from Twitter today. We started this last week. We're going to continue it this week. We've just gone on Twitter and picked a couple of questions that we're going to answer. And I'll let you know, a little secret here, Renee and I have no idea what the questions are. We are coming in cold. This is just gut reactions from both of us. So here we go. Does does that make you nervous, Renee, to be answering questions on the fly, knowing that you're being put on the spot? Well, it should make our listeners feel a little nervous. So, you know, we're just saying like, you know, always, always uh, confirm with other sources as you should anyway, on all things. We will try not to give fake news. We are genuinely trying to answer these to the best of our knowledge. And you'll be happy to know this first question is kind of geared to, for you. This is this is this is a question we found on Twitter and thought this would be perfect for today. Oh, That's oh. A little, I can't read it. It's too small on my screen. How com- How complete? Do oh, you? This isn't for you. <laughs> this isn't the one that I thought was for you. This is a good okay. One. I'm going to ask this anyway. Okay. The question is from uh, this guy's name is Will Farrell. Will Ritt, right? Uh, He says, how complete do you expect dummy illustrations for picture books to be? This is, this is there. So he's sending in a query to an editor or an agent. How complete do you want the dummy illustrations to be? I can actually answer this one. Um, But do you want to, you want to take an attempt to? I, I have no idea. I don't think you have dummy illustrations. That's the right answer. (laughs) Oh, good. Okay. (laughs) There are no dummy illustrations in a picture book. Yeah. I mean, you can describe what you want on that page or on that spread, but you do not include uh, illustrations unless you are an author illustrator combo. That's what I was going to ask. What if you're an illustrator? Yeah. So if you, if you're an author illustrator combo, then yes, you can include illustrations in your picture book. But here's the thing. You have to be a really good illustrator. Otherwise, you're running the risk of your book being rejected for either your writing or your illustrations, right? And um, I have found often that when I work with people who've done picture books, that often our confidence in our illustrations are maybe a little higher than they should be, (laughs) right? Because... um, uh, Really, you want to focus on the story, make sure the writing is really well, or you want to just be an illustrator. Most people don't do both. And um, uh, so what I recommend for most authors is to say, you can just make that story as good as you can. I recommend sending it in so that you just have the story standing by itself without any direction for the artist. Because really, if artists need direction, then that's something that can come as you talk out the pages. The story should be able to stand on its own without illustrations at all, um, at least as far as when you're going to sell it to an editor or to an agent. It should be able to stand on its own. Now, 
it's possible that they may take pieces of it out because it can actually be told in illustration and they might tighten it up by doing that when it's ready to, you mm -hmm. know, go into the editing and publishing process. But as a general rule, it should entirely stand on its own. And, um, uh, and I'll, I'll go a step further and say, if you're doing rhyme in your picture book, which is what you see almost all the time when people are creating picture books, everyone wants to do their picture book in rhyme it has to be perfect. Like that rhyming has to be perfect, perfect rhyme. You can't let the reader stumble at all. And if yeah. they do stumble, you're likely to get it rejected because um, there's there's just too much competition in this market as it is. So I recommend, I always recommend if someone writes a picture book in rhyme to also write that picture book in prose and see if it's just as strong. And, um, and you might end up wanting to do it that way anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I would even say when you're writing in rhyme to make sure that you're reading out loud, don't just read it yourself, but read it out loud, even have someone else read it out loud and listen to them read it. Because sometimes if we're writing something, we can write it in such a way that we understand where the cadence and rhythm should be, mm -hmm. but it's good to have somebody else read it to see if they naturally find that cadence and rhythm or it, it'll just sound off and it, it won't be tight enough. And if you find that, then it's time to go back to the drawing board and start working to bring it together again. Yeah, that's good. All right. So here's the question that was actually originally going to be just for Renee. It's actually for all of us, but I thought Renee is going to have a lot of fun with this one. Uh, and this does ask about scripts. The question is, I'm going to put it up here at the top for those who are viewing on YouTube. Do you start brainstorming? A new script. I can't get it to move to the top of the screen. Sorry, folks. Question is, do you want to start brainstorming a new script idea from plot or from character? What do you think, Renee? When you start uh, brainstorming a, uh, an idea for a script, do you start with, start with plot or with character? Okay. So I'm going to assume that what they're talking about is a screenplay. And so for a screenplay, um, you know, both are important uh, and neither one, you can start either way. You can start, you know, either way. When you're, when you're starting a manuscript, so a novel, you, uh, you have a lot more room to dive into character. And so, um, you know, a lot of novelists start with a character and build the plot. But honestly, both are so important unless you're, you know, if you're, if you are writing a character driven novel, you want to start with your character. If you're writing a plot driven novel, you want to start with your plot. Um, if you're writing a screenplay, your plot is what's on screen. Um, driving the story and your character are played by actors, of course, um, you do not get the inner monologue that you do with novels. So you want to make sure that you, you have a very strong plot um, it, when you brainstorm a screenplay. And then, you know, of course your character is, when you're writing a screenplay, the thing you want to think is, will an actor want to play this character? Is the character mm -hmm. interesting enough is the dialogue interesting enough that an actor will read the script and go, I can't pass this up. I have to play this character. So, um, you know, I have done it both ways. I have 
started with a character. I've started with, in fact, right now, um, I'm working on a script that the the whole movie revolves around these two interesting characters and we're building a plot around these characters. Um, I have also developed from a, a plot point of view. Um, I think they're equally as important. I try in all of my stories to have strong characters and strong plot. Just always have, I think readers and viewers want that. So how you dive into it is up to you. Whatever drives you is up to you. Just make sure you don't forsake the other side of it and have a really interesting character that has no story um, to write in, so to speak, um, or a plot that is interesting, but nobody cares about the character. Uh, so, you know, you, I, I try to build up both and make sure that they're strong, but there is no wrong way to start brainstorming. There's never a wrong way to start brainstorming. You can start with the setting if you want. I mean, you're, you are, you are totally fine at the beginning of the brainstorming session, uh, to do whatever you want. Um, I think that's my opinion. So, so, so how much of a, um, uh, how much is the writer responsible for making a character work in a script or is that entirely up to the actor? Well, the writer is very responsible. Um, the actor, the, the actor brings the character to life and the actor, a good actor can then bring a depth to the character, uh, that is really amazing to watch, but, you can't write a weak character and expect the actor to save it. You've got to have a strong character for them to begin with. And then whatever they add on top of it is just magic. Oh, that's good. That's good. All right. We've got another question here. This is from Robert Brown. He says, um, he says, I see that 160,000 characters or I guess that's words for an epic fantasy is probably too long, but I also see some super long novels out there that are published like that. So what are your thoughts on that? Is it okay to have a really, really long epic fantasy or, or other style of novels? Is it okay when you're writing a novel or even a nonfiction book to go way over the standard word length? What do you think? I think it depends on whether you want to, first of all, I think that if it, we've said before, you've got to know the rules before you break them. So I think it's important to know what the word count rules are, the general ones, because they're usually there for a reason. Um, and if you're going to break them, then I think you have to have a good reason. And it could just be that you are just such a great writer, you know, your Tolkien level. So you can write these really epic uh, length books and, and works, but um, recognize your, I would just say recognize what the rule is before you break it and then have a really good reason if you're going to break it. And, and that could go either way. You know, if you're going to write, you know, I've seen people who want to publish books and they say, well, I've got this book. And when you talk to them about it, it's, you know, 25 pages. Well, that's not really a book. That's like a booklet. That's not really a book, <laughs> you know? And so recognize that, well, if I'm going to write a nonfiction book, then if it's a self-help book, it needs to be probably about 45,000 characters, 45,000 words. And, and there's actually a range. I don't know what it is right off the top of my head. 
same for novels, same for different genres and novels. Some, some genres, I believe will allow you to go longer than that. But um, I think you have to have a really good reason for going above that. And it can't just be because your reader has to be invested enough to want to go on that journey with you. And, and so it has to be good enough to carry that. So what do you guys think? I agree, John. It's it also, I mean, genre is so important. Um, fantasy readers have a lot more tolerance because there's world building involved, um, and so they have tolerance for those extra word counts. Um, your romance writers don't. They typically like the quick read. Um, so yeah, like I think, it, it, like you said, Gina, you're absolutely right. I mean, you have to have the skill to hold the reader's attention at 160,000 words. And, and some writers do, and they're really uh, popular and multimillionaires. And, yeah. you know, they make Netflix series uh, out of their, you know, books and that sort of thing. So, but if you want to sell your first novel, you know, probably don't come out the, out of the gate with breaking the rules immediately. And that'll give you your best chance. Once you've sold a lot of books and you want to go big on the word count. I, uh, when I sold my first novel, I did not read the contract carefully to read that I had um, uh, a word count cap. And uh, so I was just writing my little heart out in this. So I, my first novel uh, was, I turned it in at 150,000 words. And it was a suspense and they were so kind to be like, hey, <laughs> we have to cut some words. So anyway, it ended up at like 120,000, I think, which was still long. Um, but, you know, I, I would do it differently these days when, you know, the, the better writer you get, the less words you need. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I had the same thing happen with uh, uh, one of the novels that i did in a series for children for middle graders and the first one i did was it was just too long it wasn't too much too long but it was a little too long and they wanted to have all the books within a certain uh you know length and so they'd all be the same like 120 pages for this age group and i had written like 140 pages worth so i had to go in and immediately cut 20 pages out of the, you know, this baby of a book of mine kind of thing. And it was, it's hard to do that. But then once I, I kind of liked, as I was continuing to write books in the series to have exactly, okay, I knew how many pages it was going to be from then on so that I knew I just have to keep meeting that quota. Right. And I know that that's exactly how long it used to be. It kind of helped me know where to make everything fall. Yeah. Um, but I actually get this question uh, quite a bit as I have uh, helped people format their books because I help people format their books for self-publishing a lot of times through Amazon, uh, whether it be a print or an ebook. And what's interesting is that the rules have changed a little bit when it comes to independent publishing, because a lot of times the, the reason publishers want you to be a certain length is not just because that's what the market expects, but it's also because they get price breaks depending on how mm -hmm. many pages are printed in their book. Well, when you are independently self-publishing, you don't necessarily have to follow those rules. So um, if I'm working with someone and they've got a 
let's say a, a nonfiction self-help book and it's more like a novella, right? It's like 60 pages. That's okay. They can, they can do that if they want to. I, I always encourage them to have at least as many pages that gives them a nice spine so that you can print on the side of it, the name of the book, and you can see it on the bookshelf, um, <laughs> which usually requires about a hundred pages. Um, and so sometimes we'll add pages at the back that'll be advertisements for other things or things like that, you know, or, or you can put in some note pages and that sort of thing if it's a shorter book. But if it's longer, that's okay too. As long as they're willing to pay a little more to have each book printed, that's all right. Um, but I think the, the rule that I always recommend for them to consider is that the, it should never be any longer than it takes to share their message. Right. So, mm -hmm. so don't make, make sure that you don't have a bunch of extra stuff in there just because you're embellishing <laughs> on everything you're writing. Right. You should just get across the point of what you're trying to say, get in and then get out because we as readers, especially I think with nonfiction material, um, we just want you to get to the point so that we can know what it's about and then move on. I think yeah. that's actually one of the trip ups that I see in a lot of nonfiction material is that they, they share their message and they, they share, they get so excited to share their message that they share their whole message in the first couple of paragraph or first couple of chapters. And then they spend the rest of the book rehashing it. <laughs> that pretty much drives me crazy because I get yeah. bored as a reader and I, and I have worked with clients before that, um, when they go back through, you know, we've worked on their book, they get back and they want to add more into chapter one or chapter two. They want to keep adding to it. Like, well, why I want to get this in there. And I want to, and I say, well, no, you've already, you cover that in chapter 10 or you cover that in chapter eight. We want to leave something for the reader to discover later on and not just have this huge summary at the beginning that just gets rehashed. So um, our, yeah, our, our daughter's in a book club for a nonfiction book right now. And uh, they were requiring her to read a bunch of pages, you know, for the first meeting they had together. And she finished it like in record time. And she comes out of room, out of a room. And she says, I'm done. And we said, well, how are you done? And she said, I just read the first sentence of every paragraph. And she said, I got the gist of everything they were talking about in the first three chapters. Wow. Because it was so redundant, right? She could just all yeah. she had to read was that first sentence. And it was enough to know exactly what the author was saying because it was so redundant as it went through. So yeah, you need, you need lesson to, learned there. Lesson <laughs> learned. Yeah, you need to be careful not to just uh, write stuff in there for writing's sake. I guess, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All right. Well, so we talked today. We had some Q and A's that we were talking about. Remind me, Chris, what some of our topics were today. <laughs> today we <laughs> talked about do when you're brainstorming, do you start with plot or with character? Plot or character. Yeah. And then we talked about picture books and whether uh, we can go ahead and um, create dummy illustrations dummy illustrations, or whether we shouldn't. And then, of course, this last question was um, on the length of books and yeah. whether we need to follow the rules or not. Those are all good questions. Great questions. Do you wish there was a way that you could just ask writers and, and authors questions like this? Yes, <laughs> actually. <laughs> what, what do you do when you have questions like this? You come to the Writing Momentum Q&A, which is on what day, Chris? It's on January 28th, I believe. Or July. Not, July 28th not is when we're doing it this year. Boy, this is just... <laughs> July <laughs> have people showing up at all different times and places. 
July 28th, just go to writingmomentum.com and we will have information on there about what we're going to be doing. This is going to be a live Q&A that we're going to hold on Facebook and YouTube. through YouTube. And we're just going to be uh, taking questions. You're welcome to submit questions beforehand. And we will be answering them to the best of our abilities and the best of our knowledge. So we hope that you will be joining us. And just to let you know, we're going to be holding these monthly. So if you miss this one, be sure to check it out. Uh, check out future ones. Join us for those. And until next time, thank you so much for your time for joining us. Be sure to rate and subscribe and share this podcast. We're hoping to help as many writers as we can and just help get the message out and help writers um, get their work done and get their message out there. So thank you so much. Until next time, we hope your writing always has writing momentum. All are awesome. Bye. See ya. You've been listening to the Writing Momentum Podcast with authors Christopher and Gina Maselli. Don't forget to subscribe and get the show notes at writingmomentum.com backslash podcast. Until next time, we hope that you have writing momentum. Hey, writer. Do you struggle with finding time to write? Well, you're not alone. In fact, time is the number one challenge that most writers face when it comes to getting their books finished. That's why we've created Writing Moments, weekly sessions you can schedule on your calendar to write online with me, Gina, award-winning author and screenwriter Renee Gutteridge, and other writers who have similar goals as you. Each week we're meeting for a short writing training, Q&A, and then 45 minutes of uninterrupted writing time together, where we'll keep each other accountable to get our stuff done. If you'd like to find out how you can join us for some upcoming writing moments, just visit writingmomentum.com slash writing moments. We'd love to have you there. That's writingmomentum.com slash writing moments. <laughs>